Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Yo, yo, Dad, what's going on? What's going on? How's your week? Uh, my week has been pretty good, um, productive, um, also lifting those weights. I'm a little bit stronger this week, you know, That's was able good, to yeah. put it up a little bit. And um, actually, one of the reasons that I always had such a difficult time uh, keeping up with like a workout routine is because I travel a lot. Uh, Ty knows, but for those of you like um, I'm back and forth from Illinois to Boston um, and a lot of places in between. And so I did travel this week. But one thing I've tried to do is like condense my traveling. So if I need to be in Cambridge for Thursday, I leave Wednesday night and come back Thursday night. And um, so I really, I was able to stick to my Friday workout because I got back early enough to get rest. I wasn't too tired on Friday. So it was just figuring out like how to make my lifestyle work around everything I want to do. Yeah, no, that, yeah. <laughs> I travel and really can get in the way of your your fitness regime for real. Cause yeah. I know over the summer when I was doing a lot of traveling conferences, a whole bunch of stuff, it was just like it's just no way. I mean, I don't know how people can do it. Uh that do that for a living, travel all the time, but trying to go to a gym and then trying to eat right and all that kind of stuff, uh it's it's really hard to do. Uh traveling is a big obstacle in the way when you're trying to keep that healthy lifestyle for sure Mm -hmm. and even when you get home like i normally i need a day or so to recover um but i didn't give it to myself i wanted to i felt like laying around the house all day but i didn't i got to the gym because folks are watching on the internet (laughs) challenged myself over the internet so i can't disappoint it's like like your little social social media weight watchers accountability group yeah Uh, uh, good. Just glad you know the week is over, and now we are into you know kind of a little holiday break this week because of the Thanksgiving holiday, and uh, and after this week, just one more week of, of teaching, one more week of classes. Uh, it's the last week of class after Thanksgiving, so then if real feel real feel really, feel really good after that, and then just finals, and then I'm done. I'm done. So yeah, but it feels uh. good now. This is the part of the semester where you can kind of just take your foot off the pedal a little bit and just get in cruise control because, you know, the end is near. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And watching the, watching the students panic around a little bit because of finals and <laughs> end of the semester. <laughs> you getting crazy <laughs> emails. Professor, professor, can I have extra credit? No, I haven't got any yet, but I'm sure after Thanksgiving, once they start realizing what these final grades look like, I'm sure they'll, they'll start rolling in. Um, So this is our end of the week episode. I mean, the end of the month episode. So this this episode will just be me and Dav chopping it up, talking about some of the important topics that we think we that have happened over the month or in this past week, uh, kind of hitting up with some current events and all that kind of stuff. Um, mainly, I think this week is going to be a lot of political news, amongst some other things. Um, but I guess we got a couple light Olor news stories to start with, and then we can take it from there. Mm-hmm. Hello. And welcome to BHD News, where we give you the most current and eye-opening old oh Lord news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say, 
Okay, so for this first story, uh, not surprising, but kind of disturbing. So a Louisville photographer uh, who opposes gay marriage has sued the city saying that a fairness ordinance um, that they have violates uh, her constitutional rights. Now, I, I don't agree with you know, suing. But what makes this story so ridiculous is that it is a pre-enforcement challenge, meaning that nobody has even tried to uh, get her services. No same-sex couple has even attempted to have her as a photographer. Mm. So um, it looks like this person is trying to um, find a case that they can take up to the Supreme Court to challenge their ability to discriminate against people because of their LGBT status. Mm, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know, man, why this stuff is still kind of going on these days. You know, this is going to make a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. Um, I just think it's weird, but I think it's in the time that we're in. Um, mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of people with affirmative action, you know, in the most recent uh, Supreme Court case, just there are people out there that are working their way, just trying to challenge things because they want our white rights to be taken away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, really. Just trying to. It's almost like a kind of a weird, like counter sue, I guess, with uh, <laughs> with using those kind of uh, um, statutes. You know. Yeah. Um, so this one, so, you know, there have been the impeachment, um, inquiry that has been going on for the last, uh, week or so, or now, like probably like week and a half. Have you been watching at all? The, you're talking about, what you're talking about? The, the impeachment. impeachment hearings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I've, 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 there's been a couple of days I had it on and they thought those things were long though, but I was watching. Yeah. <laughs> watching them. Um, well, this is kind of, oh, Lord, because it's I, I don't know how to take this, but opposition to the impeachment inquiry by independents has jumped 10 percentage points in the last week, meaning um, the week before 37 percent opposed it. But like since it's been like going on now, 47 percent of independents oppose the inquiry. Mm hmm. Did they say what that's about or? Uh, no, because it's like one of those polls just, you know, asking, you know, people their opinion. I don't think they really yeah. went into it. But before the impeachment inquiry started, you know, people talked about how it is a risk, particularly for Democrats, because I guess people just really don't have an appetite for that type of thing um, that I guess in the past uh, when we've seen like impeachment inquiries or whatnot. Well, really, it was, I guess, Clinton and I guess Nixon in the past. Yeah. But um, like, for instance, I think during Clinton's like approval for like the Democratic Party rose or something like that. I, I just don't think people really care too much for it. Um, so, yeah, I also think it's about the, I think Nixon, what then he, he didn't actually go through the impeachment, right? I think, I think he resigned, right? Yeah, before. And I think also with Clinton's is probably, probably was the content of his impeachment. Yeah. <laughs> Which kept people glued to their seats. Uh, so this one is a little different as far as those, those other two is going on, but I can see that I can see people, you know, 
Um, especially, I think part of it is the reason that it's coming up to, you know, an election anyway. So it's like, mm-hmm. would it even make that much of a difference? Say if he did get impeached and had to leave office, sure, it'd be great, but it'd probably be like, what, you know, a few months before, you know, we uh, elect, have another election in the next November or year or whatever, whenever it will happen, you know, so... Um, I think a lot of people probably feel like, is it even worth it at this point? Yeah, I could but, see that. I could mm-hmm. see that. But it's a risk, and we'll see how that plays out um, in the actual. Yeah, we definitely don't want to give him no more uh, <laughs> any kind of like uh, boost in the polls or anything like that. We don't want to help Trump out at all. So <laughs> Precisely. Uh, okay, speaking of a Trump, um, this is getting on the topic of his son, Donald Trump Jr., you know, just recently published a book called Triggered. Okay. How the left thrives on hate and wants to silence us. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Well, he became a New York Times bestseller for two weeks. But what's interesting is, come to find out, a reporter actually found out that the Republican National Committee uh, purchased nearly $100,000 worth of the book triggered to give out at, I guess, like rallies and and different places. So, you know, it's not, it wasn't illegal for them to do that, um, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's just funny. But I mean, technically they did say even without that $100,000 purchase, he still would have landed as number one on a New York Times bestseller uh, list. But it's just funny because they will do anything to like seem like, you know, they're selling or they're performing really well. Um, yeah, you just can't trust anything they touch, man. <laughs> you can't trust anything they touch. It's like the Kardashians, man. So you always got to raise an eyebrow like, is this is this really what it seems? But yeah, that don't surprise me getting their rich friends to purchase a hundred thousand dollars worth of their book oh, yeah <laughs> boost yeah. some sales a little bit but I'm sure, i mean just by the name alone and i know people are gonna go flock to it and run to it to see what what he's talking about from from both sides you know yeah i know i ain't reading that um, <laughs> yeah, i ain't wasting my time yeah there i mean there is another book that just came out i can't think of the name is by the anonymous person that um works at the white house oh yeah 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 i did hear Um, about that too i do want to read that um because people have said that it's uh interesting oh it's called a warning anonymous so yeah i might check that one out yeah because he because it's like he whoever it is behind the scenes got all that you know information as far as what's going on behind the scenes i would be curious yeah uh for sure Got all the tea. Okay, my last little story. This is just kind of a indication of like where we're going with this whole like Democratic primary thing. So, you know, we mentioned before that Deval Patrick, the former governor of Massachusetts, got into the race uh, for presidency or the Democratic nominee. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, well, this is what people think about him. Okay, so it was, I think, Wednesday or Thursday, he was supposed to have an event at Morehouse College. Um, An organizer who planned the event for the college said that the event had to be canceled because only two people showed up. (laughs) Two people? Oh my goodness. Two people. Uh, And I mean, a black former governor of 
black man running, you know, for president and you visit Morehouse and only two people show up for you. Jeez. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder, Ouch. I don't know how that happened. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, two people is like, <laughs> I mean, I think that that clearly seems like there had to be some kind of intent behind that, I'm guessing. Yeah. So I feel like at any school you would have more than two people, you know, even some professors or somebody would show up if you're not the student. Yeah. So it's like maybe they didn't advertise it because I think even if they weren't interested in him as a presidential candidate, they'd probably be interested in him as like a black man who has led an entire state. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they draw some interest at it, especially where it's located and just being a black community not alone outside of just a black school uh people will show up so i don't know yeah probably advertising um had definitely played a key because that's weird they must have not said nothing at all yeah but it is pretty embarrassing though yeah especially when you just hop into a race that's not one of the headlines you want emerging (laughs) immediately (laughs) a black school ain't showing up for the black man that's not a good look uh yeah i'm sure they'll figure out a way to bounce back though uh, or do another one and have better imagery and headlines. I'm sure we'll see. Yeah, you got anything to share today? Um, nothing, nothing crazy as far as the old Lord news. Um, the only kind of thing that stood out to me is one thing that I saw on social media that people were talking about, talking about how uh, male birth control might mm. be available within the next seven months. Uh, pretty much in India, it has been successfully passed through these clinical trials and could be available within the next seven months, they said. Um, scientists in India say that the new birth control method will be injured, uh, injected directly into the growing. <laughs> A lot of fellas have a question like, well, I don't know about that. Um, but the biggest complaint outside of the injection is how long it lasts. They said this this birth control injection lasts approximately 13 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, so, wait, so time out. Like, how does, do they, is there like a, a serum or like some type of anti That's uh, the question. Birth- I haven't seen that yet. I can try to look it up, but, uh, uh, but they say it lasts 13 years. I'm not sure if there's an anti-serum yet, you know, kind of to reverse it, I, I guess. Uh, uh, but I'm not sure. But a lot of people have been saying just 13 years is like too much because if you're just trying to do it for a limited time, you want to be able to control that. Um, so, yeah, I know I wouldn't be doing it for no 13 years. That's crazy. Child, we're going to end up like Handmaid's Tales. You probably don't even know this, right? Where, oh, yeah. like, you know, the people weren't having babies and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, how it starts. Because a 13 year, that's a bit extreme. Like, how do you know it's going to... Like just come back after 13 years. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't want to shut anything off for 13 years. No, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's different if it's like a pill and you can control it, you know, or or it lasts a few months or what have you, but 13 years. Um, so anyway, uh, we may be hearing more about this in the months to come. So I just want to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, let's get into, I guess, since we already talked about some politics, talking about the debate that happened last Wednesday, last week. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was able to stay up and watch it and kind of read, you know, following Twitter and what was going on throughout the whole time. I know you were, I think you were traveling during that time. Yeah, I was traveling, but I end up, so I actually uh, found a great way to, uh, because I'll be 
honest, like even the past debates, like my attention, it would start to wane because it's like y'all talking about the same thing over and over again. Uh, So, you know, I looked at the highlights, but actually the Washington Post and other websites, they post the entire transcript of the debate. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't read everything. I definitely skipped over some people like, why are you here? Um, (laughs) But I I was able to read and it was actually more interesting, like kind of reading it because you can like kind of skim and like, okay, I'm not interested in that conversation or I'm not interested in that. Yeah, you have the option to kind of pick and choose like what you want to <laughs> tune into instead of watching it. You got to just listen to everybody's speech. Um, yeah, I can see that being, uh, I wonder if they'll, yeah, you know, just the way technology and stuff is going now, how, you know, consumers like to be able to choose their content like that. I feel like I can see that being a, a bigger thing in the future, you know, of, you able to just choose the topics you want to hear about and listen to what each candidate said mm. uh, and like one, you know, whatever clip or whatever. I think stuff like that would be awesome. Um, now that you even mentioned that, it'll be easier for us too, uh, to sit and do those debates, like you said, like I did. Uh, but um, yeah, watching the debate, I guess, you know, a uh, couple of my my takeaways. I mean, it was clear that uh, because Buddha Judge was uh, ahead in Iowa that he was going to get more attention or more um, attacks from uh-huh. the top folks and, and which they did try to come at him a little bit. You know, I don't think they came at him as aggressive as I thought they were going to, um, but they were trying to take some jabs. Primarily the biggest jab they were trying to take with him is his lack of experience, um, which I just felt like you, you probably, they probably should have took a jab of more policy oriented jabs um, uh-huh. because he's been, talking about you know that's been a major talking point for his for a while like he's well uh, prepared for that rebuttal um and so he actually came out with a very good response saying um hey you know uh, even though they talk about my lack of experience um he's like it's that lack you guys are pretty much the traditional establishment and i'm something new and this is the something new we need to take trump on right now and he also mm-hmm. was like you know i've never imagined myself being on a forbes list uh, and he was like, I was on a Forbes list with all the other candidates. And he's like, I'm actually the least wealthy out of all you guys. <laughs> so, oh, wow. uh, so he was really flipping it back on them, uh, which I'm like, y'all should have came with more policy oriented stuff than his experience, because that's where you can probably, you know, show his weaknesses, whatever. But he's he was well prepared for that. So that didn't work. And that was like the biggest hit they were trying to take with him is his lack of experience. Yeah. Although, so uh, a quote that the moderators brought up, um, I think it was Klobuchar who was like, you know, if Pete Buttigieg was a woman, he probably wouldn't be on a stage with his experience. And I do think that that is true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Klobuchar did make that point. Um and, and like she said, I'm not saying he shouldn't be on this stage. Like, I'm honored to be there by him. But is it is true. A woman mayor, uh, a lesbian woman mayor from a small town would not be leading or at the top of the Iowa polls right now. Let alone, yeah. I mean, she might be on the stage because we did have Marion uh, Williamson on there, but uh, <laughs> she definitely wouldn't be leading nothing. Yeah, wouldn't be leading in Iowa. Um, I think, I mean, no, there's a lot of a lot of facts to that. And I mean, yeah, a woman, uh, a black person, um, our credentials have to be so much higher. Our standards have to be so much higher for even to get on that stage. And yes, being a mayor of South Bend, <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> Not even like Los Angeles or like Dallas or something like that. You know, it's South Bend. Um, 
Uh, so that's that's pretty interesting. Um, but but he does like he like Buddha just said, he does uh, connect with a lot of those Trump type voters, uh, rural community, whites, working class, etc., because of his location. <clears throat> so I think that's also playing probably a, a bit of a factor as far as especially why he can lead in places like Iowa, being in the Midwest, things along those lines, along those lines is helping him out, that identity of his. But but yeah, like I said, I think Buttigieg is surprising a lot of folks because um, uh, he wasn't the one I was expecting to make it this far, at least being the surprising candidate. But yeah, I just think it's interesting because he has, I don't know, he has so many different identities. He, so people, you know how like in the past people were like, oh, you know, Obama is too professorial or, you know, too smart, you know, uh, Trump yeah, and his yeah. people, they don't like smart people. But this guy's a Rhodes Scholar. Um, you know, he has that Midwest identity, but he's also a member of the LGBT community, but he's also super religious. And, you know, I read where someone brought up a point where they were like, he uses his religion as a way to potentially overcome any LGBT issues like those white evangelical voters might have against him. Yeah. Yeah, I can oh. see him doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, it was, yeah, he does have a lot of identities and I wasn't sure if it was going to work for him, but it seems like it is. Um, I think people will connect to it because of these different identities. I think his youth plays a role because, um, yeah, when uh, a lot of the younger voters, I'm sure a lot of them want to see that youth on a stage, uh, somebody close to age to them. And I think he is probably the closest. Uh, I'm not sure. He rep and the millennials, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he's close in age. And again, the experience, the, or the lack of, but also his identities. He he, he covers, he checks a lot of boxes. Uh, uh, but now, but, but his policies don't seem to be as progressive as a lot of the millennials seem to um, attract to, which is mm -hmm. interesting. Um, so I think, again, this is still kind of early on. Um, but I think as it gets more narrow, uh, maybe to the last four or five, we'll see how, how he can test, uh, handle that storm. Uh, I even heard rumblings of people saying like, people are pushing Hillary to, to jump in a race. Have you heard that? No. So I, I heard it like a while back. I haven't heard it recently, but it's just kind of like, I don't, I don't really think, even people who would vote for her, I don't think anybody has an appetite for her coming back in this race. Uh, but I don't feel like really strongly that like any of these people are like, you know, really going to like take on and beat Trump. I don't know. I just don't have like a, I mean, I do like Elizabeth Warren, but like people, you know, have raised some like little, little texts about her that I'm like, okay, you know, I'm willing to listen. I'm not one of those people that I like somebody and I'll never, you know, listen to anything um, like counter arguments against them. Um, so it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm not really excited. <laughs> Yeah, that's the scary part. <laughs> I mean, they, ain't nobody really excited, um, excited me. Uh, you know, I'm paying attention to what's going on, but yeah, as far as that excitement level, it's not it's not super high for any of these candidates in particular. Um, and I don't think I think that'll probably remain this, the same no matter who wins the nomination. I'm going to vote for them probably no matter what. Uh, but but the excitement isn't there. But that that can be 
problematic if we are trying to get people to the polls you want them to be able to inspire folks to get out so that is definitely something that should be considered and who can do that um other takeaways from debate i guess uh one of the other things that i had a lot of just like one person in particular i'm just a lot like why are you even here is tulsi gabbard man i'm just like oh yeah because most of the things she says doesn't even like improve her platform or try to, you know, seem like this is why I want to be president. Every time she spoke, it was literally just poking holes or attacking somebody else. And I'm starting to really believe this this conspiracy of like she's really here just to divide the party up and cause friction. Um uh, because it was nothing, you know how most politicians say like, oh, if I'm president, I would do this and I would implement this policy. I would do this. It's like none of that. It's just like mm-hmm. I'm attacking you. I'm attacking you. I'm attacking you and poking holes in everybody else's stuff. I'm like, this is this is not good. We need to get her out of there ASAP. <laughs> well, that's why I kind of uh, love like Kamala. I mean, it was a late clap back uh, after Tulsi like got her um, a couple months ago in the debate, but like she came out swinging. Um, so for those of you who didn't watch the debate, um, they were talking about uh, Barack Obama and um, which also had a different tone this time because they have been like, very negative about Obama, but that tone kind of changed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Kamala was like, I think it's unfortunate that we have someone on this stage that is attempting to be the Democratic nominee for the president of the U.S., who during the Obama administration spent four years full time on Fox News criticizing the president. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of went in saying that, like, um, who spent full time criticizing people on this stage affiliated with the Democratic Party when Donald Trump was elected, you know, buddied up to Steve Bannon to get a meeting with Donald Trump in the Trump Tower. And it's just kind of like, oh, you out here looking real familiar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I can't like her background and all this stuff and what she's been doing really does scream like plant um, because I just know I don't know. Unless it's like the conservatives really supporting her. I'm like, who is really supporting this woman right now, man? Uh, but yeah, that was a big, a good clap back by Kamala. Uh, and then I seen a whole bunch of the memes of like her screenshots on Fox News Network and headlines and all that kind of stuff that was going around. I'm like, yep, she's going to take a hit for that one. Um, so that was a good pull because that... That's not that's not the kind of person you want on the stage, you know, somebody that's one going against Obama, but doing it on Fox News as well. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you know what you're doing and your conservative roots are definitely showing right now. Surprisingly, though, at least in the online community, do you know who have, you know, the people that are taken that have been taken up for Tulsi, at least up until this debate? Who? Some progressives. Mm. And it is because so Tulsi, she was either the head of the DNC or had like a really big leadership role during like the 2016 election time. And she resigned and called out the DNC, I guess, for corruption and like uh, working against Bernie. And then she came out as a Bernie supporter. So 
you know, she, it, you know, and I'm not going to like take up for the DNC if they like did things. But like when we think about things that started happening in 2016, like especially a lot of like the discord uh, that was happening, like she was right there in the middle of it. But also like as somebody that came out as a Bernie supporter. So I think that is kind of pulling some progressives to kind of at least, I guess, give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I can see that. And then I could also see on the other side what conspiracy felt like if she was in the middle of all that, maybe she, you know, <laughs> propagated that mess in a way uh, yeah. to create more division <laughs> if she is working for the other side, as some as some would argue. Um, but I can see how that how that would work and keep some of her votes. But a lot of what she's doing just don't even seem like 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 she wouldn't read as a person that would be a Bernie supporter today. Um so it's all yeah. interesting. It's, yeah. I think with her is just too too flip flopping and definitely not enough trust. Uh, I cannot trust this woman whatsoever. And so I think she's doing more damage um, than than healing at this time when it comes to the the candidates and the nominees. Um, yeah. And the last, I think uh, one of the other things or the last things that that stood out to me, I think, was uh, Cory Booker um, mm-hmm. towards the end because uh, he had a quiet, very quiet night and I was watching I'm like oh yeah he really ain't saying much but probably the last 20-25 minutes uh, it got real spicy <laughs> um, and Cory Cory Booker uh, was coming out really addressing things along the lines of uh, race and, um, and and it kind of Biden stumbled on this uh, greatly mm-hmm. <laughs> in that part mm-hmm. of the debate uh, uh, but yeah he was just talking about you know black voters and kind of taking the shot at Buddha judge saying that like hey you know I didn't need a, um, a focus group to see what black voters wanted because I've been <laughs> a black voter since I was 18 <laughs> wow. uh, which was a which was a, a, a nice stab and then um, he took a, a, st- a stab at Biden um, which I think was was a pretty good one uh, because of his apparently in places like South Carolina, Booker has been behind the polls well, and Kamala in South Carolina, which is a huge like black voter base and mm-hmm. behind Biden. And so he took a shot at Biden, really talking about Biden, talking about he didn't want to legalize marijuana, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which was a huge thing. And then Biden wanted to respond. And then Biden was very careful in his words. He was like, no, no, no. I I believe we should decriminalize marijuana. And I'm like, uh, uh Booker said legalize marijuana. Yeah. You said decriminalize. Uh, but he he Biden tried to be slick and say it as if it's the same thing. Booker yeah. didn't push back on that uh with the language portion, but I, I caught it. I'm like, no, Biden, you're not, yeah. you're not gonna get me with this with that language. Like he said you didn't want to legalize it, and you said decriminalize. So that means you still don't want to legalize it. Uh, yeah. So here's his official stance. Um, So no one should be in jail for marijuana use. He wants to decriminalize recreational use and automatically expunge prior convictions, legalize medicinal marijuana, allow states to legalize recreational marijuana, which they're allowed to do that anyway, Um, reschedule marijuana so that researchers can study its health impacts. So that is where he stands. But yes, decriminalization is very different from like federally uh, making it like legal. Yeah. And that's the and that's the pushback, because it was like I think I'm, I'm sure it might have been Booker or somebody who said like, uh, 
yeah, it's it's already legal for privileged folk, you know, and it was talking <laughs> about the medicinal work use. And so that's what Biden sounds like he wants to do. Like, I want to legal it for medicinal use. But again, we see what happens if you have access to health care. And those are the ones or folks who are going to benefit from that. Just getting a card or a license. And now you get to use it recreationally. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and so I think that is for, for, for black folks. That's an important distinction. Uh, it should be legal for everyone. If you're going to legalize it, just don't legalize it for a particular group of folks uh, yeah. who have access. Another reason why it's always been legal for like privileged folks is because uh, we don't have to do drug tests. Like, yeah. <laughs> like once you like, if you're in a certain type of job, I guess, unless you're going to like work like in a high up position, like in the government, that's different. But like, these other jobs, they don't test you. They sure don't. Uh, I, I'd be, yeah, it'd be funny. They start rounding up uh, professors. <laughs> Child, a lot of people. Uh, I guess we'll have a strike. Uh, oh yeah, man. These academics out here, man. It would, I would not be surprised. It's funny, uh, but you're right. That privilege comes with that freedom uh, to use it kind of more without worry and, mm-hmm. and consequence. Um, and then, yeah, and then Biden also kind of s- slipped up with when he was talking about uh, the getting the support from the only uh, African-American uh, who's yeah. been elected Senate. They're like, oh, uh, excuse me, I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, Harris was like, uh, I'm here too, uh, yeah. which was funny. So, I mean, there's been that that back and forth really, you know, showed Biden, you know, got hit Biden a little bit. Um even though he's been taking a lot of hits, but people have been questioning his uh, his kind of mental dexterity, I guess. Yes. <laughs> in these debates. But I told you, like, that's kind of what stood out to me, like, debates ago, because I feel like Biden had always been sharp and he has not come across as like mentally sharp in any of these debates, in my opinion, like so many like slip ups and like foot in the mouth uh, moments. So like, and also even just like saying little things like I come out of a black community in terms of my support. If you notice, I have more people supporting me in the black community that have announced for me, like, okay, yeah, you probably do got more support (laughs) than Harris and Cory Booker. I don't know, you know, whatever. But it's just kind of like, that's so weird like black people like me dude okay yeah that's not it's not enough it's not <laughs> enough yo it's got like i just i tweeted when he was saying i'm like oh here go Biden telling us about all his black friends like yeah. like, like it's enough for us to be like yo okay oh that makes sense um it's just really because you are uh, a part of the obama administration yeah um, which is the main reason why you have some of this support because they are still supporting what you did with obama or just obama in general um, but I don't know if you're really winning new votes or new black voters. It just seems like you still have those older folks who already were supportive of you mm-hmm. because of Obama. They got Obama um, pictures. They got a framed picture of Obama on their living room table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many Yo, black folks oh, that I know my they got goodness. <laughs> like he's a member of the family. <laughs> you ain't never lie. <laughs> Uh, my mom got a picture, a framed picture of Obama up there too, right up there with the family pictures. I'm like, yo, we ain't never met this man. He ain't never been to a cookout, but he up here like he part of the family. <laughs> it's so funny. And, you know, a lot of them might not be watching the debates. It's not because, you know, they're uninformed, but it's just like, I don't know. It's like certain demographics that like would sit around watching these two, three hour debates every month faithfully. Yeah, yeah. 
It's, it's true. I, I think, I think, like I said, folks will watch it when it gets to the nitty gritty, uh, the last four or so folks. But yeah, right now, I just still think a majority of folks, like you said, are not, not paying attention to it as much. And they're probably just reading the headlines. And I think, I think, yeah, I think if they started to actually watch these things, they, they would question, uh, uncle Joe a little bit. Yeah. But this was his to lose. Like also he made that comment when they were talking about, uh, I guess, domestic violence. And he was like, you know, I had the, um, that act in 1964, like violence against women, uh, act. And he was like, we just got to keep punching at it and punching at it. Yo. Like, uh, dude. <laughs> Yo. What's wrong that, with you? Oh my God. That is not the language to use. You talk about domestic violence. Then that's the thing. He kind of like, uh, I guess, the way the speaking patterns and the slip ups and the, it kind of reminds me of Trump a little bit too. You know? Yeah, like it the, is very that, yeah. Yeah, the kind of elderly, inappropriate use of language. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like they both kind of give me those vibes, man, and get themselves in trouble. But Trump, you know, it gets him more voters. Uh, ironically enough, uh, but that don't stuff, fly like, in a democratic. Party. Yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna fly over here. Um, but yeah, any anything else uh, from it? Um, not not really. Uh, just kind of. I think people are just tired of it being this many people on stage. Everybody was like, "Who the hell is Tom Steyer? Uh, why is he even here?" You know, people are still asking, like, "Why are some of these people here?" Want to yeah. narrow the field a bit, and to think that like those aren't even all the people who are still running. Like, I think we still have like upwards of like 18 people that just haven't qualified for <laughs> the debates. Yeah. Um, yeah. Castro's still on the fringes. Yeah. Yeah. That it was kind of sad that he was uh, missing. Yeah. Uh, but Cory Booker still hasn't even qualified for December. I yeah, think he, he did needs say some that. more um, donors. Are you yeah. going to donate? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I, I, do I want to see Corey? I guess, I guess I'll see Corey on the stage. Maybe I'll give a dollar so People said he had a, a a good night. Like I didn't. I read about it yeah. and I read some of his stuff. Like he had the yeah towards the out. end. Like uh, all you know, Pete's not the only road scholar, scholar mayor uh, on stage. So it's kind of like people said he had a a good night. But like, is that really enough? Like. I, I don't know. Like, does he really have a chance? And is it like worthwhile to actually donate, or is it better if we just kind of narrow it? People out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're getting to that point because ten people every every time is like, yo, can we please get to like five? So that way we can hear like a lot more of what they are really trying to do here. I know Yang, he keeps making everyone, but and he he had like the least amount of speaking time, like three minutes or something like that. Yeah. Um, when they looked yeah. at the amount of speaking time compared to like I think Warren, who had like thirteen or fourteen minutes. Uh, and so it's like it's just too many people for everybody to get equal speaking time, but also people who don't get any, any speaking time are still <laughs> making it to these next like debates. Up there, yeah. <laughs> Although Yang, he did say, you know, like to designate like white supremacist terrorism as like domestic terrorism when they asked about the, um, mm-hmm. the uh, rise in like domestic terrorism in the U.S. So yeah, know. no, yeah, Yang is like he—he's just interesting to me because he just seemed like a 
a cool dude, you know, just like he's not like a politician. Yeah. Um. So he's up there, and I think he means what he says, but he just seems like just like a, you know, a casual kind of just cool dude that has some good points. Um. But yeah, I don't know if I would want to see him as president. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. that'd be a bit much for me. Um. But I, you know, I do like him keeping some some things in the conversation or keep it. I feel like his presence sometimes keeps the. Uh, the other politicians down to earth, right? And being realistic. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes if it's too political, everybody start getting too out of there and the ain't be like, nah, I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> trying to get everybody a thousand dollars. What you trying to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, he got a, he got a policy message. He's, you know, that one, that $1,000. And I bet people, you know, would really love that. Like you said, with Trump, that sometimes having that one consistent talking point, really makes a difference. Um, Whether you get it done or not. Exactly. Exactly. And so we know with Yang is that $1,000. Um, and we know with Bernie, I guess, it's Medicare for all and Warren is the two cent tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it kind of stops there, I guess. Would you say anybody else has a major one that, that sticks out? Mm-hmm. Like I said, Corey, criminal justice. Um, Tom Steyer. He's oh, climate, yeah. change. climate change. But yeah. Uh, funny, but yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I yeah. After that, I I kind of yeah. Biden is not clear. Harris is not clear. Klobuchar is not clear. Gabbard. Biden is. Oh, I'm like Obama. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's his platform. I'm the I'm the white Obama. No, yeah. no, sir. Um. So yeah, I think it's interesting. We'll see how yeah. things play out. Oh, you know what was funny? The um, we didn't mention this while we were talking about uh, Mayor Pete, uh, but the fact that when he released his like Douglas plan for the Black community, how he used a stock photo from like somebody from Kenya or people from Kenya. Oh my God, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, and so Kamala Harris actually referenced it. Like she didn't go in and she didn't ex- completely explain it. Um, but she mentioned like because uh, they were asking him, you know, although I guess he gave a, a PC answer like, yeah, I um, do got to do better with the black community. Like I welcome that. But like she was pretty much like, you know, the photo you used and but it was weird. Like, look it up um, because he released a Douglas plan for the black community. But then they've taken the photo down. But essentially, um, he used like a stock photo from and it wasn't even black American. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's wild. Yeah, you got to do better with that. Uh, you got to do better with that. Um, yeah. All right. So interesting, interesting debate, to say the least. Guess we'll see who pans out to be in the December uh, debates. Um, what is, do we know that date yet? I'm not sure. Um, don't know the date yet, but we know it's Biden, Buttigieg, Harris, Klobuchar, Sanders, Warren. Okay. Okay. So it's still most of the folks. See if Castro gets in, see if Booker gets in and, and all those folks. Um, all right. So I think, uh, anything else? You had anything else on that? Um, uh, nope. Um, okay. oh, just that, uh, everybody said that like, uh, the Tyler Paris studio was like great um, and that like the technical things and I guess just the way they were so hospitable to like the Washington Post, like hosts and all all that stuff like that. Uh, so shout out to Tyler Perry. Yeah, shout out to Tyler Perry doing big things um, and that that, yeah, it was actually hosted there. And, and I think even um, it's interesting because there was a lot of uh, mention of uh, of Stacey Abrams as well during the debate. 
I think she gonna be whoever is the pick. I think she gonna be VP pick. I think I think so. I think people are really considering her, and this is why they all kind of took that opportunity to praise her, um, and, and I think get a feel for how the response is to that with mm-hmm. voters. Um, I, it's all strategic because uh, multiple, a few of them were doing that, uh, and I think yeah, I think that would be a solid VP pick uh, for sure. Uh, but we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that. Um, all right, so uh, December 19th is going to be the next debate, too. Just for Okay. And that's going to be hosted by, co-hosted by PBS and Politico in Los Angeles, December okay. 19th. So almost exactly a month from the last one, which is on the 20th. Um, all right, so uh, one thing I want to address <clears throat> that was a kind of a big hot topic uh, is this whole uh, Kaepernick situation. I'm sure you've heard about it, Daph, right, or some of what was going on with it. Uh, yeah, the workout the I know Jay Z's name got thrown in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we we don't usually talk about too much sports on this on this podcast. So, uh, but it's just interesting because this was literally discussed for like an entire week. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, Colin Kaepernick, who you should at least know by now, um, had a huge. Uh, football workout, <clears throat> a workout plan for the NFL where, you know, I think 25 teams were supposed to show up last or two Saturdays ago and watch him work out to see if he can actually get on a team, um, which everybody was praising. Like, oh, this is great. You know, Kaepernick is going to get his chance because he's consistently said that he still wants to be in the NFL. Uh, long and behold, it's supposed to start around a certain time, um, I think maybe three or four or three o'clock. And then the day of, apparently Kaepernick like switched all the plans, moved um, the site to another place like an hour away. And then only like eight teams wind up showing up. Uh, he was like at a high school football field. And um, it was just really weird because people were like, all of this was set up and why would he go and change it? And it felt like he kind of messed up his chance of getting into the league. And there was this lot of back and forth. Kaepernick said he did it because he didn't. There was this waiver that he had to sign. And in the NFL waiver, it said that he couldn't sue um, after this um, for whatever reasons. And Kaepernick did sue uh, about a year or so ago and won a settlement with the NFL. And I think they were trying to protect themselves to say, hey, if we do all this or this happens, you don't get to a team, then you can't sue us still mm. for you know being blackballed um and Kaepernick is like what why would you even ask me not to do this like what are you trying to accomplish here so yeah. you know it's just, so a lot of distrust on both sides kind of one of those situations it's not that anybody is probably wrong but it's just an extreme amount of distrust which I think led to what's going on here okay um and so I think the, the bigger conversation though has been you know with a lot of the major media personalities folks like Stephen A. Smith um, and and hearing folks, we didn't hear from anybody like Jay Z, but supposedly somebody from his camp said that Jay Z was displeased because a lot of people felt that Jay Z was the one who kind of pushed the NFL since he got this partnership with them. Now mm-hmm. people expected that he was going to do some behind the scenes stuff, and so a lot of the rumblings was that this was kind of Jay Z's doing. Like, hey, you just can't bring me here and think that everything's going to be fine. You have to get Kaepernick back in the league because that's what people want to see. Um, and so uh, they felt like if it was Jay-Z's doing, then Cap kind of just, you know, destroyed this whole opportunity. Uh, people find that that's not a liking. But uh, a lot of people were calling people like Stephen A. Smith, uh, Uncle Tom and all this kind of stuff because he felt that Kaepernick, he took this approach that Kaepernick should have uh, 
I guess this old adage approach of not not fighting back too much in a yeah. way, like get your foot in the door first and then make the change kind of situation. And the Kaepernick stance is like, you know, I'm going to still fight no matter what. Um, and so you see the, you know, the, the push and pull of both ideologies where Stephen A got attacked in a lot of ways, but also got a lot of support, had a lot of people on questioning his blackness. And Stephen A is like, why is my blackness being in question? Because I oppose what another black man is doing. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of like interesting dialogue going on what's happened with this Kaepernick situation. Yeah, I guess. How do you feel? Like, do you want to see him back? Like, do you? Um, and that's a that's a big. This is the big question I have with Kaepernick. Right up. I know he's always that's been consistent. He always wants to play in the league. And on one side, I I felt like it would be super dope if he like came back in the league and like killed it and like won a Super Bowl. Right. I mean, think about it. It makes so many people mad. Um, and, and I kind of liken this too, cause even when this all was, was happening, I don't know if you remember people were like, um, uh, likening him to like Muhammad Ali, right. Mm-hmm. Cause Muhammad Ali took that stance, did not want to go to war, spent like three years in jail. Right. Came back. And even though, he came back, he still went returned back to boxing, even though they kind of treated him in that fashion mm-hmm. and still be wind up being champion, right? Um, and still stood his ground and kept his morals. So it's like Kaepernick is, you know, we've seen it before. So is it bad of him trying to get back in the league? No, but I don't also don't think with Muhammad Ali that it was boxing, the institution of boxing that was oppressing him. It was the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. Um, and so NFL is actually the ones that is oppressing him and, and you know, blackballing him in a lot of these ways. Um but then it's just like this thing, too. It's like if it's really a system that you can't stand or that you're fighting against, not that this is why he did it, but he speaks out against the NFL and other players have, too. And it's just like when you're a millionaire, do you really need to go back and work for them? Like, why do you want to go yeah. back and be an employee for these? Because I know I wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if I'm a millionaire and they trying to do all this stuff, why am I going to go back to a workplace that is that distrusts me and has all these issues? Um so I don't know. It's weird. It's it's weird. But I feel like he's better off probably not getting back into the league and, and just being this symbol of, of resistance and change when it comes to like criminal justice reform and, and knowing your rights and all that good stuff he does off, off the field. Yeah, because it would also be like, you know, I guess disappointed if he came back and it was just kind of like flopped. <laughs> yeah, it was on the like bench. A lot of people would want to see that. Um, so I, I don't know. But, you know, I guess whatever makes him happy. Yeah, if he really wants to play, he really wants to play. But it's also a lot of people question, like, yo, if you really want to play, why didn't you take this opportunity? You know, when you have 25 teams there to see you, increase your chances of getting back in, why did you kind of, like, fluff that up a little bit? Um, and then it was interesting because even that – because, you know, we Kaepernick, if you follow him, you really don't hear him speak that much. He doesn't do, like, interviews and, hmm. um, you know, other people kind of speak for him. But he's really quiet. Uh, and after that uh, workout, the media was there and he was talking really like 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 he's the man, like like this kind of like weird, strange, like confidence, like almost like Muhammad Ali-esque, you know how Muhammad, he always did that. But Kaepernick kind of had those vibes of like, the NFL, I'm here, NFL, you running, you scared, you know what I'm about, la la la, stop oh, running. I'm like, I'm okay. like where, where did this come from, yo? <laughs> he had a Kuta Kente shirt on, uh, which is also interesting. Um, because everybody's like, bro, Kuta Kente was trying to get away from the establishment and you're trying to like get back in it. So that was kind of interesting because uh, that's true resistance. It, when it, you know, anyway, uh, but I don't know. It was like this whole kind of different performance and usually not hearing from Colin like that was kind of interesting, too. So I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
But anyway, we'll keep our eyes on it. I mean, they're still saying that two teams are very interested in Colin Kaepernick and that he may get signed. Uh, we don't know what will come from it, but I'm sure we'll all hear the news when it does break. Yeah. Well, um, speaking, of, I guess this isn't really like, well, it's related to entertainment, but it's something that I found just uh, very interesting. Uh, so, you know, Judge Joe Brown. Yep. Mm-hmm, yep, yep. Yep. Okay. So he had the show and also the movie Harriet just came out. Um, yeah. But also there's the uh, $20 bill that Harriet Tubman is supposed to be on, although uh-huh. it might be delayed. Yeah. Well, uh, Judge Joe Brown was having a conversation, um, I guess, on some type of like video podcast or something like that. And he said uh, this movie is to soften up the public to the idea of taking a black woman who freed slaves by leading them to Freeman, Freeman and getting her or another one like her on a $20 bill. They can't get a white woman. So they want a black woman. They don't care. They just want a woman. It downs masculinity. And then he continues. The status of an ethnic group is determined by its men, not its women. And putting a black woman on there before a black man is insulting to the black race because you're saying that the man ain't worth a damn when you put a woman up there first. Oh, my Lord. And then about feminists, he says, they can go straight to hell. Oh, and I my know they God. hate themselves because they got two X chromosomes instead of an XY. They're fraudulent, self-hating, and they're sick. Woo. Oh, my. I'm I literally sitting over here, my hand over my mouth as he was reading this. <laughs> like, I am in awe. Woo. uh (laughs) tell us how you really feel bro like what is wrong with him what what is the issue here why why are you so mad about women black women getting some of the limelight man this is crazy yeah he's like really pissed he did go on twitter and was like i respect i respect black women immensely i'm prepared to die for them don't sound like it (laughs) however our race has been kept in line by suppressing its men a protocol of slavery was always recognize and promote the female and disparage the male the lady bill thing is a continuation of this tactic. So clearly he still feels the same way. Uh, yeah, he does. Uh, and again, you did everything you said did not show like you would be out there dying for black women, brother. It does not sound like it. That is wild. Uh, yeah. Uh, ain't, ain't no words. I think that that speaks for itself. Uh, Judge Joe Brown, they're wilding right now. <laughs> yeah, wild. that's that's very hotep vibes, as folks would say. Yeah, um, but it's just also is there are people that think like that. Like, if you support black women, then then that means you're not supporting black men, and it's just like mm, that's not true. Uh, we it's need to uplift. True everybody uh yes. can't focus on just one like uplift everybody and i, I don't get why it's so hard for people to i, I like me personally i feel genuinely happy when i see somebody black winning mm. no matter no matter what you you know if you're a man or woman what your sexuality is no matter if you're rich or you're poor if you are black and you are winning i feel happy inside like it does not matter and i don't know why people get to this situation where you're like trying to like i don't know limit our success of our people, a success for one of us is a success for all of us, man. And okay. Oh, no. Now, I was about to say on that note, so you said, I support Black people. I'm happy because that is mm-hmm. also something that has come up around this Harriet movie. 
Mm. which uh so like the star of the movie is yeah. african british or british african i don't know which they say first they say um there was controversy around like things yeah. that she said like when i read it all she has she is not as controversial as some of her very close friends yeah um, she had like a tweet that kind of like mocked like what they call a ghetto American accent. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, it's just like she keeps problematic company. Mm-hmm. And then, so that has sparked like debates about uh, British Black people taking roles depicting African Americans. This came up again with this Queen and Slim movie because both of the leads are British. Oh, both of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're depicting Southern African-Americans. Um, and, you know, people in the entertainment industry, like Lena Waithe, I think that's how you say her last name. She's like, oh, it's all, it's so divisive. Like, it's, you know, it's whatever. We should, you know, support Black people regardless. But a lot of African-Americans are kind of pushing back against that. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because they're like, is there a place for us in Hollywood to tell our own stories? Yeah, I think that to me is the bigger issue. I feel like when it is roles that are talking specifically about the Black American experience, we want to see a Black American in that role who can connect to that role, could connect to that the, the ancestry of that role. Um, and I think it is a bit offensive when we keep seeing uh, stories that, tell the black experience taken by uh, the black American experience by other, um, uh, you know, British black actors. I don't, I don't have a a issue. I feel like if it was like a a action movie or, you know, something random, whatever, fine. That's cool. Mm. But I think when it's specifically like historically, even we're talking about police brutality in this country, or we're talking about Harriet Tubman, which is in this country, um, I think you need to have uh, make a ma- a more concerted effort to get a black American in those type of roles. Yeah, um, because they're about us. Yeah, I mean, it's weird if we if I would go to Britain and then to the UK and then uh, perform in a role or a story, and I have no real connection to what goes on there. You know, as far as what the black experience is there, um, I I wouldn't even feel right doing that. You know. I don't even think they would let you. I think, I I just feel like we're so open. And like you said, when it's just like general, like movies, I really don't care. But one, I generally can't stand people's fake Southern accents. (laughs) I hate it. I'm sure you could get a real Southern black to play these roles. That's an actor, actress. And that's, so my issue is that I feel like this is sending a message that there's no talent homegrown talent here. And I just feel like we don't find ways to cultivate the talent that is here because a lot of people use the excuse like, oh, British actors are just so well-trained, just so well-trained. Well, you know, there's a lot of talent here and I'm not trying to stop anybody's bag, but I also, I cannot support anybody in a role that doesn't actually respect the culture that they're trying to depict. So I personally, like generally I watch the movies, but there, if there's any inkling, any inkling at all that you hold anti-African American views, but you want my African American money, baby, you're not going to get it. Oh yeah. 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 You cannot come with that separatism stuff. Like, Oh, I'm not, 
I'm not a black American, you know, I'm a different kind of black and you coming over here taking these black roles. Nah, that's not, that's not going to fly. But yeah, I did see a lot of those tweets. And at first I thought they were really talking about her, but it was like you said, her friends that were saying a lot of this kind of anti-black American stuff, Mm -hmm. kind of elitist black. Uh, I forgot, is that what they called themselves or something like that? (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah, it it is very like classist and elitist. And also like these are, so I guess going into like the diaspora stuff, people who do have like a very strong connection to their ethnic group because, you know, maybe their parents are like immigrants. And so therefore they have that connection versus African-Americans, like we're generations removed from that. So we're our, our own ethnic group. So there's kind of like this ethnic pride that they have with, okay, that's fine. I like being African-American. But it's just kind of like when it gets into your judging and negatively stereotyping another ethnic group, that's when it's like, okay, I can't support you because we all skin folk ain't kin folk. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. Um, Yeah, and that divide is real. That classist divide, elitist divide. I don't know, man. They just... That didn't rub me the right way when I was reading those stories, even though, because I'm like, yo, if those are your f- closest friends, you affiliate, uh, you know, you probably got some of those same sentiments, too. Because um, if, uh, you know, I'm just not running around with a bunch of elitists as friends uh, who feel that kind of way yeah. or who are part of my circle, because um, I wouldn't be able to vibe with people like that. That just literally have those strong feelings um, about black folks, other type of black folks. Uh, so I think, you know, I think it would be safe to say, like, yeah, this is some of you, some of that you, you clearly are at least cool with tolerate and don't bother you too much um so yeah i don't know um i think we're we're hearing more i'm i'm, I'm we're hearing more about this conversation now when we're starting to see these roles i think a lot of times too that the um casting directors like to choose these black folks because they've already been in like popular movies or popular roles or on broadway uh, but i think they also have to trust sometimes just the content and get other faces in there. Um, because if a movie like Harriet, it really didn't matter who was the leading actress. We were still going to go and try to see that for sure. Uh, and the name itself is going to put, you know, people in those seats, not the, not a, a random movie uh, where you kind of need a big name actor or actress. So, But did you go to... see it? No, I didn't see it yet. Are you I didn't see go? it. Uh, I'm still torn. I probably won't. I probably won't see it in theaters, at least, and wait till it comes out. Um, just because I just literally, you know, uh, Kristen has showed me the 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 tweets and stuff and the debate about that, and just had me really start thinking. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I feel comfortable going to the movies to see it. Yeah, um, that, that's kind of where I am. I'll eventually watch it, but um, I don't know. I just feel like. Lately, I've just been trying to take a stance on things and mm-hmm. like stick to it. And I, even if you know other people can do what they want, but I kind of want to show people like African Americans, we have buying power. You know, we can speak with our wallets and our feet. Mm-hmm. We're gonna take our concerns seriously, or you can dismiss us and continue to feel it. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the way exactly. I feel about it. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, okay, I'll keep my eyes on it. But, yeah, that's yeah, it's good that we raised that point because I think our listeners probably have some of the same questions too or maybe wondering the same things. And if not, maybe you are now. <laughs> um, 
I think I had uh, one other thing to talk about too, is this uh, a story that I saw at the New York Times. Um, and this is interesting, right? Because, you know, historically there's been a lot of conversation, well, writings about and research on redlining and how, uh, you know, realtors and zoning and all this kind of stuff kept black folks out of certain neighborhoods. Well, recently um, in Long Island, uh, a, a newspaper, a news group, a newspaper, um, I guess they're a newspaper, right, um, called uh, Newsday, um, did a three-year-long undercover investigation in Long Island uh, where they exposed widespread evidence of discriminatory and potentially illegal home-selling practices. Um, so what they did is that they had a black home buyer and a white home buyer go to the same you know, top real estate agents and agencies in Long Island over this period of time. Um, they were the same age, you know, pretty much the same height, same sex, et cetera, had the same amount of income, right? Uh, um, control for all those things. And then said also to each realtor that they wanted to go or looking for the same type of house. <laughs> and um, and uh, pretty much what some of the things that they found was that, you know, uh, one real estate agent told the black man that houses in a predominantly white neighborhood were too expensive for his budget. But that same agent showed houses in the same neighborhood to a white man with the same amount of money to spend. Mm-hmm. Uh, another real estate agent warned a white home buyer about gang violence in a minor and a mostly minority neighborhood. But she also appeared to steer a black buyer to, to that very neighborhood without even mentioning any of that kind of stuff. Is that the uh, one? where she was like uh, she emailed the black couple and was like oh the nicest people live in this neighborhood yes yes <laughs> like uh, like yo like this is this is wild um, that this is still happening and so you know the, actually the New York State agencies are they have to investigate this now um, in each case individually and hold these real estate brokers and agents responsible for if they're abiding to these standards. And so they've documented, they've kept transcripts, they've kept records. Um, I think they have 240 hours of video, okay, 13 article series and 40 minute documentary that all attached to this. And they had 50 reporters, producers and editors working on this project for the past three years. So it's a really extensive project and I can't wait to see everything fully come out. Um, but I mean, the bottom line is that they uh, were drastically more likely to to practice these, these discrepancies um, and keeping this kind of you know invisible redlining happening in today's time. And so, this is particularly for Black folks searching for suburban homes um, was the the kind of main catch here as well. So many of you who are trying to also live into these middle class agency uh, not agencies middle class environments or suburban communities, which I'm sure many most Black folks are. Uh, you got to be careful with these real estate agents. Um, and preferably for me, I already know that I'm looking for a, a black real estate agent. Bottom mm-hmm. line, like hands down, I do not care. I'm finding me a black agent because I just just really don't trust these white folks <laughs> when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of scary um, because that's on my mind now, like buying, purchasing homes and People, that is where a lot of people's wealth is built in their homes. Uh, We know that African-American neighborhoods are systematically undervalued. Therefore, our wealth is not as uh, high as other people. And sometimes being able to build that wealth is being able to buy into good neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. But if realtors won't take you there, 
won't take you out because you quote, don't have a pre-approval letter, but we'll take white customers out. Won't even take you to certain neighborhoods because they think you can't afford it. It's kind of like, that means you have to do the work of the realtor. Uh-huh. Um, or you have to like really search around um, and find somebody that you think will give you a fair deal or work with you in a fair manner. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we got to do extra work to make sure that we're getting a fair deal. Even racially, you know, I said black testers experience desperate treatment 49 percent of the time. So nearly 50 percent of the time. Hispanics had 39 percent and then Asians at 19 percent. So even within, um, you know, the communities of color there, you know, black folks have been treated the worst when it comes to these kind of zoning regulations and and treatment with the real estate agent. So. Oh, so got to be careful, y'all. Um, me too. Dev looks that we're starting to kind of, you know, brainstorm um, housing and getting by purchasing a home and looking at places where we like and type of home and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, Chris and I are doing like a lot of work to be as informed as possible before we even decide on uh, real return stuff like that. Because, yeah, we ain't, like you said, it's a big investment in assets and wealth and we ain't, we ain't about to get got in this game. <laughs> uh, so it sucks that we have to do all that because we trust the system a little less than most folks, but uh, but I think it's a necessary thing we must do. Yeah. I just love that they put these people's names and faces out there, like call them out. Yes. Call them out. Baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're, they're about to take a hit, their business and their profile as it should though. Cause you, it makes no sense to do that. If you are equal um, practice, you don't have any bias. I'm showing, I'm, I'm like, I don't even know why they do that because if I'm a realtor, I'm just trying to get this house sold. I don't care who buy it. You know what I mean? Who qualifies? So it's like some really kind of malicious intent when you are going out of your way to show one, some others and others. You're really not trying to get this household at all. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I, you I would even, don't want a business. That's what I'm saying. I even question people that would hire these folks as realtors to sell your house because you're turning away potential buyers and making it even harder. Yeah. Because um, you do want the most competition for your house because you would probably get the most the most dollar for it when you have more yeah. people bidding on it. You also have the question of like if they are your uh, agent to sell it, who are they really working for? If you are a black customer, are they working for you or are they trying to get the other person on the other end a better deal based on like race? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, honestly, stuff like this, like articles like this, I literally probably will print out and just like bring it to my realtor whenever I decide and be like, listen, <laughs> I know the game out here. All right. So <laughs> so don't be out here trying to try to play me because um, I'm watching. You know what I mean? I'm watching. Uh, yeah. It's sad that you got to have those conversations. Though. And I mean, if you get a black realtor, you might be like the past Oh Lord news story we have where like police get called on you because they see two black people walking into yeah, it's like, you can't win. You can't, you can't win. My goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, man. Too much. Too much. Uh, right, but that's all the major stories I had. You had anything else? No, I I don't have anything else. Okay, okay, that's good. Well, you know, this is episode, I guess, is the Thanksgiving holiday episode. The next, tomorrow will be Thanksgiving. Um, how do you feel about Thanksgiving as a holiday? And we know the history behind it. Um, as a child growing up, it was always my favorite because it felt like a very family oriented holiday. Mm-hmm. You know, we were all sitting around the table eating. As I have grown older, I don't feel that same emotional 
attachment. Like uh, in recent years, I've done Friendsgiving mm-hmm. um, and, you know, changing the, the narrative around it. And it's just kind of like I, I don't feel the way I did as a child about it. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll be torn with these holidays, man. And um, yeah, I'm not a, of course, yeah, younger. And I, I do appreciate the just getting folks together, um, you know, the theme of it overall. Mm-hmm. But like the inaccuracies of the history of how it came to be is completely like um, ridiculous. Uh, yeah. How do you think you're going to handle that stuff when you, you have kids and and if they try to teach them, like, you know, yeah, pilgrims and, and you sat together and had this great meal. Uh, my kids going to be, they going to know the truth. Uh, lies, yeah. there's a book, Lies My Teacher Told Me. Like, my, I, and that's, I'll have to probably choose my child's school carefully because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're going to be that child is like in a classroom pushing back, like, oh, man. <laughs> Uh, uh, actually, didn't they slaughter all the Indians? Like, you know, it's going to be real, man. Uh, but yeah, that's the main thing. I do say I will be involved. Like, you know, you had a parent teachers meetings when I, I do want to make it very clear to whoever the instructors are going to be that, listen, um, I hope you are teaching my child the truth because I will be at home. Um, and so if you don't want any kind of awkward moments in your classroom and history is history, truth is truth. So there shouldn't be any even debate about that. Um, I can understand of how young they are and how careful you may want to, how you want to approach it. Right. Depending on the age of what you tell them or how you tell them. But I don't, I definitely want them coming in here with these like strange costumes on and, you know, drawings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Cause we ain't, we ain't celebrating that, that nonsense, especially there ain't no white pilgrim. So ain't no reason for us to be wearing this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But all right. But nonetheless, we wish all of our listeners a wonderful holiday <laughs> and safe travels. Yes. Um, when you're eating and hanging out with the friends, uh, don't, don't drive and, and have the itis stay off yes. the roads. <laughs> stay off the roads, man. Uh, stay off the roads after you eat that meal, at least at least for two hours, or at least uh, take a nap first before you get on those roads. Um, but but have fun. Be careful if you're shopping and consuming on them Black Friday deals. As always, you know, it gets a little crazy out there sometimes during the holiday season. All those all those stores have gotten much better. Not that many people are going to brick and mortar as much anymore, but they put up safe measures. But be careful with that if you are participating in that too. Mm. You shop on Black Friday, Dad. I've done it once or twice in my adult life. One, mm-hmm. I went to like this, it was a Walmart and it was the one far out people didn't go to. I got okay. an iPad and a TV. It wasn't like crazy. Okay. And then I went last year. It was, they started like literally after Thanksgiving dinner, but I was at my cousin's house. She wanted to go, but I did, I ended up buying like a, like eight uh sheet sets like uh, like a high count and they were twenty dollars a piece oh so I, bought them. I was just like yo this is a good deal <laughs> i bought some tupperware like the, but that also shows you like my age now the things i'm thinking about i'm like yeah you never like, Ooh, some sheets and some tupperware yo yeah. that's that's so funny that's exactly <laughs> what i told chris another day because we was, was, was like are we gonna go out i was like well i think i might want some new sheets so i might check what's going on <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but no, they were like, I think it was 1,000 count. Oh, good. And it was $20 yeah. a pop. So, yeah. Yeah, no, you can't, pa- you can't pass that out. I- I- I'm going to keep my eye on that too, because, like you said, I definitely want some, look at some new sheets as well. And that'd be the time <laughs> to-, to indulge in some. said 1,000 crown, third count for $20. Can't beat that. Um, but let me but tell you right. 
some people were doing though. They oh, were they clearly buying a lot of that stuff to resell it. Uh, well, I ain't surprised. I guess it's the hustle. You yeah. Know? <laughs> the resell value. Yeah, because, yeah, you could easily sell a thousand count for a hundred or so, $80, $100, anything online. Um, so that make yeah, I can see that. I can see people doing that. that that's actually a smart business move. Um, I, ain't, I ain't gonna knock the hustle. Yeah. But all right. Well, like I said, we wish all listeners a happy holiday. Enjoy the food, enjoy the fun, enjoy the family and the friends. Um, and if you haven't yet, go ahead and follow us on social media at BHD Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go ahead and add us. Let us know how your Thanksgiving is and how the holiday is. And maybe show us pictures of the food you're eating. <laughs> That'll be cool to check out. Um, if you want to keep up all our latest content or, you know, share this podcast when you're hanging out with your friends and your family for the holiday, send them to the website at blackandhollydangerous.com where they can catch up with all our latest content and keep up with what we're doing. And then go ahead and email us bhdpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas, guests, topics, whatever it is, hit us up and we'll always like that and we'd like to get back to you. And go ahead and review us and rate us on iTunes if you haven't did that yet. That really, really helps us out. And then after you do that, go ahead and share us with your friends, share us with your family, share us with your enemies, and as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear.